Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Greetings, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. As we continue our study of the book of Revelation, as a a matter of fact, we're going to finish chapter one today. So looking forward to uh, these verses. Verse number 17 is where we begin uh, today. John has heard this voice, uh, a voice like a trumpet. So commanding and attention-getting is this voice that, that John actually twirls around to see who is speaking? And when he turns around, he sees an awesome sight. He sees uh, these lampstands, and in the middle of these lampstands, he sees this incredible entity, none other than the Son of Man, the, the ruler of the world, Jesus himself, in all of these descriptive terms, the, the hair like wool and the the, the sword coming out of his mouth, the power of his word, the flaming eyes, just the, and the, the radiance of the sun itself. This, this had to have been just overwhelming to John to see the Lord in that way. Now remember, John had spent a lot of time with the Lord. You might say that in the public ministry of Jesus Christ, John had the the closest proximity to the Lord. It was John that actually laid upon the breast of the Lord, remember, at the, 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 the Last Supper. And so John saw the Lord in every kind of situation. When John introduced the book of 1 John, he said, our hands have handled him, we've seen him, we've heard him, we've interacted with him. And yet something happens here in Revelation chapter 1 that never happened to John anywhere else in Jesus' public ministry. Why? Because John is seeing Jesus in a way that he's never seen him before. Now, there was one instance in the ministry of Jesus where Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, to a high mountain apart. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. You could read about this in Matthew chapter 17 and a couple of the other Gospels as well. And remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was actually transfigured before them. Jesus gave them a little sneak image, sneak peek, I should say, of what the glorified body would look like. And remember, Peter was uh, speaking for all of them, was just inspired by that, James and John. So it's not that they had not seen the Lord in his glorified body before, they had, but boy, John is seeing Jesus in a way that he's never seen him before. And it's causing a reaction in him uh, that that signifies a reaction that's never taken place before. I I view Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17 through the lens of Isaiah chapter 6. Remember, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I also saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple And remember, Isaiah was just captivated and awestruck by seeing God in his holy temple. And his response was, woe is me, I'm undone. 
So let's see the response of John here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Boy, that's quite a response. So awestruck was he. So in awe was he of the holiness and the radiance of the Lord that he just fell as a dead man at his feet. But this really speaks to the proper response to the glory of God. The glory of God should humble us. A a fresh glimpse of God and his word ought to, in, in that sense, paralyze us as we are nothing and, and he is worthy. I think about some of these modern books that you see on the shelves at uh, Christian bookstores or on the carousel at the airport about uh, these people that allegedly die and go to heaven and have this experience with God and we frolicked in the water together and we, that's not, that doesn't jive with what the Bible says about people that experienced God. It's, a, it's an experience of his holiness When people see God, they appreciate His glory in a way that they've never appreciated it before. And boy, when they see that God, they see a reflection of themselves. He is great, and I am undone, and I fall at His feet. That's what happened here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. And the Bible says, "And, and He laid His right hand upon me. So the right hand in ancient days was the hand of of power, the hand of acceptance, the hand of anointing. And so when Jesus reached out with his right hand of power, his right hand of acceptance, his right hand of anointing, it was was accepting John and saying, John, I'm not here to judge you. Watch what he says. Saying unto me, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He reminds John, hey, John, it's me. I am the eternal God. I dwelt among you. I was alive. You were there during that life. I died. John, you were there when I died. You were at that cross. You stood by my mother on that day, but I am alive forevermore. John, you saw me when I was in my resurrected body. John, you saw me when I ascended back to heaven there in Acts chapter one, and you went back to the upper room before Pentecost. But John, I'm alive forevermore. It was a a reaffirmation to John. It's me, John, it's me, and I'm in control. And everything that you have lived for and all the pain that you have suffered and even the exile here on this island and all the question marks, no doubt, that you've had to bear, uh, all of it is worth it because I am real and I am eternal and I am here. Uh, Don't be afraid. I wonder if when Jesus said these words to John, if John didn't think back to that day when he was on the, the Sea of Galilee, And they thought they were going to die. Remember, John was a weathered fisherman. And John was convinced on that evening, we're going to die. And remember what Jesus said, fear not, fear not. Uh, And he spoke to the winds and the waves, peace, be still. And I wonder how many times Jesus lovingly looked at John or maybe even put his hand on John to say, John, don't be afraid. And now again, the Lord says, don't be afraid. You know, there is a fear of God, 
a holy respect and reverence for the presence of God. But when we have a proper fear of God, we need not be afraid of circumstances. We need not be afraid of what this life has around the corner. We need not be afraid of what people may say about us or do to us because we are at the feet of Jesus and there is the place of safety. So verse number 18, again, of our text, Jesus says, I'm he that liveth, was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. I'm in control. I'm in control of this life and the next life. There's no need to fear. Now watch what Jesus says in closing to John in verses 19 and 20. Write the things which thou hast seen. So what has John seen? Well, all the things we've talked about in this first chapter. So write these down, the descriptions, uh, the event, what you heard, just write it all down. And, and the things which are. And John, I'm gonna use you to speak about contemporary issues, issues that relate to people that you know, churches that you've visited, churches that are even now struggling under this Roman persecution. And what we're gonna find is the things which you have seen, that's chapter one. The things which are, that's chapters two and three, as John actually writes about the things that are to seven real churches that existed in John's day. And then he says, uh, number three in verse number 19, and the things which shall be hereafter. John, the lion's share of the revelation Now, John didn't know at this point, but he would know it by the time the revelation was over. The lion's share of the information will be about the future, things that shall, things to come. And so in Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 22, John writes about those things. So chapter 1, the things he had seen. Chapters 2 and 3, the things that are. Chapters 4 through the rest of the book, the things that are to come. Now, look at verse number 20. Last verse I'll read. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. So the word mystery in the Bible signifies that which previously was unknown but is now revealed, like the mystery of the gospel. There was a part of it that Old Testament saints didn't quite understand every nuance of it. But the New Testament believer understood because that revelation, that mystery was revealed. So now we're going to see the revealing of the mystery. What were those seven stars? What were those seven uh, lampstands that, that John saw? Remember, the title of the book is Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, what Jesus reveals to us. So Jesus now is keeping true to what the book is. He's revealing to John some of what he saw, what it means. So in verse number 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels, angelos, the messengers, the, the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches." So the angel, the messenger, my personal belief is that the messenger of the church is the pastor, the one through whom God speaks, the one who in those days would be responsible for the public reading of scripture. People didn't have their own copy of the Bible, uh, who would be preaching and teaching, 
taking the word of God and codifying it so that he could give doctrine. So God worked through these godly men. So the angels, God held them in his hands. And then the, the, the lampstands were the churches. A Christ ought to be preeminent on a lampstand. He ought to be at the top of a lampstand. He ought to be sh- showing, sh- shining forth his light from the lampstand. And that's what a church ought to be. A church ought to be a place where Christ is featured, where Christ is emphasized, where the light of Christ is adequately shining forth in and through and upon the testimony of the lives of those church members. As we live for God, as we love each other, as we embody the embrace the principles of Christ, then Christ is more readily seen. He's more readily recognized in a world that desperately needs to see him. By our good works, which they shall behold, they glorify our Father, which is in heaven. We are collectively uh, the lampstand as the church. So great principles and very practical principles because uh, next episode, we're going to jump into the individual letters. So what did Jesus say to these pastors, to these angels of the churches? And uh, how did he instruct these individual churches? Because with each one of them, he said, here's what I have to say that's praiseworthy. Here's what I have to say that is condemnatory. And here's what I have to say by way of advice. So he gives kind of the same pattern for each one. And that pattern is a pattern for you and me. Let Jesus be the one to whom we look for validation. Let Jesus be the one to whom we look for correction. And let Jesus be the one uh, who is the... Uh, the, the one that shines from my life. So I hope that helps today. Hope that you gleaned a, a principle or two that you can make practical application to your own life. Hope you'll join us tomorrow as we begin uh, looking at each one of these churches individually. God bless you, my friends. Have a great day in the Lord. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.